Today, on Commitment to Truth. Listen, you can have evil running rapid on your job, and everybody is mistreating you, disrespecting you, and it can be flat-out evil. But there's always the responsibility of the believer is to feel compassion. Compassion then drives you to think like Jesus, feel like Jesus, act like Jesus. And there's always protection in that. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This week, we continue the sermon series titled, Restored, A Journey Through Psalm 23. In this sermon series, our pastoral team will take us through a journey of Psalm 23 to help restore the souls of God's people through a strategic time of worship, reflection on the Word of God, and prayers of faith. Here is Pastor Cedric, lead pastor of Commitment Church, with today's message. In Psalm 23, we've discovered three ways to be restored, repaired, refreshed. The first was this, is that we needed to understand uh, whom the Lord is to us. Again, He is our Shepherd, capital S. Remember, even though I is, I'm considered a shepherd, but I am, contextually speaking, according to Scripture, under shepherd. I am also under the Good Shepherd, symbolizing that I am but a sheep among the flock as well. Makes sense. So we need to really grasp the truth that, man, he is the one who's in charge. He is the one who is governing our soul. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, and the buck stops with him, ultimately, with all of our lives. Secondly, we uncovered that uh, we must be open and vulnerable to the good shepherds shepherding us, right? Remember, one of the most important scriptures I think we landed on was when Paul was talking to the church of Corinth. He says, Listen, we have opened up our hearts to you wide, O Corinthians. Open your hearts wide unto us. In other words, the leader of the church who helped plant and establish the church at Corinth was saying to the people, listen, we were open wide to you. It's now time for you to open wide unto us. And what we landed on was this, is that at the end of the day, the uh, the good, we can say we have opened ourselves and become vulnerable to the shepherd, sh- shepherding. But if we're not open to the other sheep, we're not really open to the shepherd's shepherding. Part of being completely open to the shepherd's shepherding is being vulnerable to the other sheep. It's to be vulnerable and understand that there's this need to fully emotionally, intentionally engage in relationships within the body of Christ because that's how he has created us. And then lastly, it is essential to hold on to the shepherd's promises. And I gave you the first three on last week. And uh, for context, we're going to now jump into Psalm 23, read the entire passage, and then I'll give you the review of the first three and then our final two promises from this text. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in need. He lets me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for the sake of his name. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in... I memorized this so many years ago. So I, I re, you ever do that? You, will you read it? You recite what you've remembered? So, and my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. <laughs> so here's, as a review, here's our first three that we covered last week. We are restored uh, when uh, we hold the promises of God. In other words, it starts with this, is that uh, when we realize that we will always have, always have his presence, the shepherd will always be there, church. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Matter of fact, he's omnipresent. He is all places at all times. Amen? Secondly, we have his promised provisions. So if he's there, he's also going to do what? Provide for us. Remember, the children of Israel, they followed the cloud by day, fire by night. Cloud by day gave them what? Covering from the heat. Cloud by night, fire by night gave them what? Light for the darkness in a dark place. So we will always have his provisions. And then thirdly, we covered as a constant provider of all things, he includes his peace. Peace that the world can't give. Peace that can never be taken away. Because the peacemaker, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, guess what? He lives inside of you. Amen? He is your comforter. That's his promise. But then our final two points are found in verses 4 through 6, our final few verses. And when we hold to the shepherd's promises, his peace also affirms his continuous protection. I will fear no evil for you are with me. No in the Greek is no. Right? No evil. No evil. So whatever evil you think is around you, he'll protect you from it. Whatever evil you've never encountered, he will protect you from it. But then he also says, because your rod and your staff, they would do what? Comfort me. So let's drill down deeper. It says, I feel no evil. The word fear means this, I will revere no evil. In other words, no matter what is evil around me, I won't succumb to it. I will not revere it. I will not ultimately respect it. It also says I will not stand in awe of no evil. And we have the tendency to do that, right? Powerful people who do evil things, we stand in awe of them. Weirdly enough, I will not honor or respect no evil. I would dread no evil. That's what this means. No matter what is going around, listen, in Ephesians, it talks about making the most of the days in which you live because the days, uh, the time that you have for the days in which we live are evil. We are living in exponential evil days, period. It is all in front of us, but the promise is nothing to fear at all. No matter what is going on around you, in your family, in your emotions, and whatever is keeping you up at night, it's nothing to fear because he is with you. But then he provides, he says, his rod and his staff. It says they comfort us. It means to console oneself, to be moved to pity, have compassion, to ease oneself. So think about that for a minute. 
you have evil that's in front of me. You have all of the, the world context. His rod and his staff somehow is used to help navigate our emotions, our feelings, etc. That's why he says it will console us. Believe it or not, his rod and his staff consoles us, but then also it moves us to pity. Super important when you see evil to have pity. Not pride. That what's wrong with them? I can't believe it. They can't get anything right. No. Pity. That they don't know Jesus. That they don't know good from evil. Pity. To have compassion. Remember, Jesus was among the people and he looked at them and he felt compassion. So needed. Because think about this for a second. The tendency is to think so much and so hard on evil, lose compassion. Then the weird thing is that that evil begins to overtake us because we don't think on those things that are holy, righteous, good, good reputation, right? We don't think on good things, and then the peace of God becomes absent. We're going from news channel to news channel, news channel to news channel, Facebook page and post to Facebook page and post and Twitter, Twitter. Twits, X's. It's not even Twitter anymore, right? Whatever it is, right? At the, you know, post after post, we get so focused on the evil that's around us that we lose sight that we are to become people that are compassionate, that feel godly sorrow because people don't know. How will they know unless we are what? Sin. And in the sending, there's protection. In the compassion of the Lord, there's protection. We, we not, we're not then overwhelmed by what is going on around us because we know we're on mission with him. And then there's further protection. Listen, you can have evil running rapid on your job. And everybody is mistreating you, disrespecting you. And it can be flat-out evil. But there's always the responsibility of the believer is to feel compassion. Compassion then drives you to think like Jesus, feel like Jesus, act like Jesus. And there's always protection in that. It's never protection withdrawing and just protecting yourself. Isolating yourself, circling the wagons around your family, around your emotions, around your pains, and lose sight of pity and compassion, which ultimately, last definition of comfort, to ease oneself. Just eases you because you're doing what God wants you to do. Amen? So this is what the Lord says about the protection for the redeemed and called found in Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 3. It says, this is what the Lord says. He who is creator, Jacob, and he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Exclamation point. When you pass through the through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched, nor will the flame burn you. Why? For I am the Lord, your God. Right? 
the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Then Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4 reads this way and affirms when we put our trust in the Good Shepherd, what can anyone do to us? It says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in politicians. I will put my trust in people. I will put my trust in you, capital Y. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I put my trust. I should not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 in the New Testament, it affirms it this way. It says, make sure. Now, this is, it's, it's wonderful how the Lord attaches if you would, this psalm to everyday issue. Because you know what, why people have the tendency to navigate towards people is pretty much, I want to be around you, I will follow you, I will even, quote, vote for you, I will be around you because there's something that you have that I want or there's some mutual benefit. And typically, it is always surrounded by provisions. We get our feelings hurt on the job when we feel we're underpaid. We get our feelings, you know, if you have a business and you're a businessman or woman and you, someone backs you in a corner and, and, and they minimizes your services and they say, give me a cheaper price, give me a cheaper price, give me a cheaper price, right? And it's like, I can't believe it, it's unselfish. And, and it, it typically has to do with provisions in some unique way. Care in some unique way. So listen to this passage in, in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, and how God affirms Psalm 56 as well. It says, make sure that your character is free from what? Because the love of money is what? The root of all evil. Where your treasures are, that's where your heart will be. So it's amazing how he attaches this like randomly, I'd say randomly, but you know, just uniquely and positionally in this text. And it says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. Or you could say being content in what God has already given you. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. So that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? Underpay me? No. Not promote me? No. Because promotion comes neither from the east nor the west, but the hand of God. Wealth is the Lord's. Every penny on the face of this earth belongs to God. Man cannot mess with you. Period. So if you're underpaid, it could be because God wants you to temporarily be underpaid. Because there's something wrong with the heart. You love money more than you love the provider of money. That's always the connection of why a believer has not enough. I love money more than I love the one who provides me everything. So I don't feel protected. 
I don't feel like God really is in on this thing called life and what's important to me. Oh, no, he is. But he's also looking at the heart. And lastly, we will always have an expression of his power. His continued protection, expression of his power. Verse 5 says, you prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemy. What? Why are you going to do that to me, God? I don't like him. I don't like her. They're my enemy. But you're telling me you're going to prepare a, a table before me in the presence? Can you prepare a table for me outside of the presence of my enemy? No. Because I believe if you really believe that he protects you, you also believe that he's all powerful, that no matter what environment you're in, if you right smack in front of your enemy, you'll be still protected and his power will manifest itself in the moment. And he also says, you have anointed my head with oil. So let's go deeper. So presence of my enemy is in front of, straightforward, and in sight of. Right? Our human nature is, well, God, can you show me your power by, like, moving my enemy out of the way? Can you show me your power by moving me, relocating me from my enemy? He's like, no. The only way I can really show my power is you being right in front of your enemy. The word oil was used historically to set one apart, right? Remember David, anointed with oil. Kings are typically anointed with oil, setting apart for some service. Or it represents many times the Holy Spirit's anointing power and presence upon someone. So think about this. So he sets me in front of my enemy who I do not want to be there. But his promise is that I want to anoint you. And that's why Jesus says, when you are called in front of the court, right, I will tell you exactly what to say. That's the power of God. Giving you words to say when you don't know what to say. Giving you what you need in the moment that you don't want to be in. Who wants to stand up in front of the court, right? No one does. But he says, if you are forced in that situation, and if you believe that I'm your protector, that I'm sovereign, that I'm in full control, that I'm a good shepherd, guess what? There's somehow some green pastures in this situation. There's somehow some still waters in this situation. You got to follow me until you find them. And when you do that, what I will do is begin to exemplify my presence in your life through the power of my Holy Spirit, that I'm your paraclete, that I come alongside you and I live within you through the finished work of Jesus. And in doing so, when you rely upon me, my power is always evident and will manifest itself in you and through you and all around you. Verse 6, you find here, signifies... It says, we remain in the presence or in the house of God, remaining in the presence of the Lord, similar to remaining under the influence and the power of the Holy Spirit all the days of your life. This is how the Good Shepherd powerfully deals with our enemies in Romans 12, verses 19 through 21. Starts off with this, never take your own revenge, beloved, 
but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Wait a minute, that's, not, that's weakness, no? For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's power. Then Romans 1 verse 20 describes how the good shepherd's power is and has always been visible to us. So when you read Romans 1 in its context, there's a whole bunch of evil described. But he starts off by, before he describes all the evil, by, hey, by the way, my power has always been evident. And people are without excuse in the midst of an evil generation. So it says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made so that they are without excuse. You remember the psalm that he says, wash me and make me clean. Wash me and I will be what? Whiter than snow. You know why? Because there's nothing man can ever make that's whiter than snow. Next time it snows, look around you. Every white car looks dirty. Every white house looks dirty compared to the whiteness of snow. No matter if the car's name is Snow White. It can never be created whiter than snow. Everything around it looks dirty and impure. And that's the dramaticness that God is portraying to us is that no, understanding everything I create, every snowdrop or a snowflake is different, every raindrop is different, displays its power. Then in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he reminds us he has given us a spirit of power, church. We shouldn't be acting like wimps, for the record. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Then Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31 states, he strengthens us and increases our power. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired, for the record. When we're weary, tired, doesn't mean he is. When we're sleeping, doesn't mean he is. If you didn't know, God doesn't sleep. Theologically proper, God doesn't sleep. So while you're sleeping, he's awake. Matter of fact, even, even theologically proper, your soul doesn't sleep. I mean, when you, that's why you dream. Because you're still awake. That's why the enemy attacks us in our dreams, because the soul is engaging even while you sleep. The body only needs rest. You follow me? All right, makes sense. So that being said, he says, do not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired his understanding is unsearchable. He gives strength to the weary and to the one who lacks might, he increases power. Though youth grow weary and tired and vigorous young men stumble badly, 
Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Then, lastly, John, 1 John 4.4 suggests that we should never forget where his power now resides. Right, because we can get to a point that we we're in this wonderful spiritual rhythm, and we can think that it's us. You're from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. We serve a God who is faithful. He's faithful that he'll always be there. His presence will always be with us. His provisions will always be there. His, pre- his, his uh, peace will always be there in abundance and can never be taken away. His protection is there. <laughs> Even if you think he's not protecting you, trust me, he's protecting you. And his expressions of power, listen, is all around us, but more specifically in us, through the power of his Holy Spirit. So can we end this way? Verse six says, certainly, didn't say possibly, certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow you, me, us, all the days of your life. So again, remember all he's tell you, invert that. Well, if it doesn't feel like goodness and faithfulness is following me. Eh, why not? This is a promise because I, we choose to follow the good shepherd. Goodness will follow you all the days of your life as long as you're following him. And I'm sure we can all take inventory of when goodness and mercy and faithfulness isn't. Remember, it's beautiful that he says goodness and faithfulness because you can be following God and wolves can still try to attack you and it's not necessarily a good thing. Then kicks in his faithfulness. May not be a good season, but he's faithful. I don't like what's going on, but he's faithful. Bank account's low, but he's faithful. Marriage is kind of on the rocks, but he's faithful. Just lost a loved one, but he's faithful. Just lost my job, but he's faithful. I'm confused on my job, but he's faithful. Trying to pay for my college education, don't know where it's going to come from, but he's faithful. You follow me? So it may not be good, but it's good. Because where his faithfulness is, it's always good. And it's beautiful what the text gives us that, right? And then you also see in verse 6, my dwelling will be in the house of the Lord forever. So think about this. Certainly goodness and faithfulness will follow me all the days of my life as I follow him. And as I choose to want to be where he is in the house of the Lord forever. Now we know you can't be in the house of the Lord every day of the week, 
be pretty cool if we could all just quit our jobs and just be focused on Jesus 24-7. But that's not real life. But you are in his presence every single day of your life. And when the church is gathering, you also make that a priority. Because it's not either or, it's both and. It's important to gather in the house of the Lord, but always remember, wherever he is, that's where I want to be. And that could be in your bedroom by yourself. It could be whatever context you live in and work in is where he is, is where I want to be. And I want him to be wherever I am. But if the house of the Lord is open, I am there. I'm engaged. I'm focused. I'm, have, I'm a part of community, et cetera, et cetera. Then goodness, mercy, faithfulness will follow you. Not just some of the days of your life, but all the days of your life. Amen? Can we conclude now with prayer? Can you pray now that the Good Shepherd will provide his continuous protection? in every area of your life. Again, maybe there have been some areas that you have been holding back on a good shepherd. But here's a great opportunity to concede and say, okay, God, I'll follow you in this area. Can you now also pray that he will always provide his expression of his power in every area of your life. That his power will be displayed around you, but also in you and through you. That you would just see his goodness, his mercy, experience his presence, his glory, in your home, as we gather together, as we worship and pray together, that will just be great expressions of his power among us. And as you're going through life, that you would just experience his goodness and his mercy and his power in ways that is unexplainable. But remember, This privilege of his goodness and faithfulness comes with you following him. It comes with dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. We hope this message encouraged you and helped restore your soul as a child of God. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. 
You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.